Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. Note that you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtime at vantic.com, and we will be more than happy to follow up. Joining me today is Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO at Future Insights Network. Prior to founding the network, Maria was CEO North America and Group Managing Director at World Trade Group. Now, full disclosure, I know Maria from my personal attendance at a number of events that the Future Insights Network and its predecessor, ManuCore, put on over the last year, including events focused on digital transformation of the manufacturing and supply chain sectors. Thanks for the time, Maria. Blaine, thank you so much for having me on your podcast and letting me return the favor after you were on my podcast. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. And I know we both have a lot to say about digital transformation, and now I'm more interested in hearing what you have to say about that topic today. And I know based on the, the informal and formal conversations we've had in the last year, you definitely have a, a voice there. So thank you for bringing it to Vantic TV. No, my pleasure. Okay, so why don't you start by telling us a little more about what is the Future Insights Network? What does it do? Well, we are a network of thousands and thousands of supply chain, manufacturing, and digital transformation uh, leaders uh, that are trying to cut through the noise, cut through the hype that's either perpetuated by uh, all kinds of people, and really try to get validation for the real ideas that work within their businesses. So we connect people with each other, we hold a series of events, we put content out there, but not in the traditional here, read a couple thousand pages, more of a, uh, look, if you want a solution to a problem, I know how to connect you to the right people. And we, uh, we're just a network of people trying to find the right solutions. Yeah, well, you invited me to attend a few of these events in the last year, and, and I think the quality of discussion that takes place, the vast majority of the presentations are done by other uh, people who are participants in the space, you know, VPs of supply chain, heads of manufacturing, and the insights they bring to the table for the other, uh, you know, attendees of these events are just incredible. Well, I think, I think the success of events really is down to the, in the uh, atmosphere that you try to create. So if what you're trying to do is create sort of a passive environment where people come and watch someone give a case study of something that they did two, three, five, even 10 years ago, it's not going to yield any kind of uh, dialogue or debate or spark any kind of real solution finding. Uh, whereas what we try to do is we try to handpick the number of people that we've gotten in attendance. It may not be a huge number, but it's the right people. And then create that environment that really looks to, to, to give dialogue, debate. I mean, we, at the event, there were moments where I had to step in and say, guys, can we cut it off here? Because we're just talking and talking and talking, you know, we've got to move to the next session. So it's, it's just a wonderful uh, type of thing to get people together that are all driving, you know, towards solutions. Yeah. And the, just for those people that don't know, these events are not, as you said, trade shows with 20,000 people walking around a giant room. This is 80 to 100 focused professionals who get to know each other over the course of a few days, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's very closed door. So uh, we really don't do a lot of marketing or branding or inviting, you know, in, in a sort of batch 
way where a lot of other people invite thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's great, and there's a place for those types of yep. events for sure. Uh, but with us, we really just try to get the right like-minded individuals in, together in a room, uh, continue the debate, not just at the events, but throughout the year. It's, it's very normal for me to get emails from a lot of our members asking me, hey, I'm looking to implement some sort of digital transformation strategy. Can you point me in the direction of someone who's done it? Uh, you know, what kind of advice would you give for someone that's just about to embark upon that? Uh, and so we're really more connectors than anything else. And, yeah. Uh, and that makes us privy to a lot of really interesting conversations and discussions. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a second. But first, why did you choose supply chain and manufacturing as focus areas for the Future Insights Network? Well, I, first of all, I find that it's a very exciting area. I mean, when you think about the, you know, the impact that manufacturing has on any GDP, on any nation, the, you know, if manufacturing were to fall down, it would be almost the end of several economies. So it's a very huge part of what everybody does. Um, secondly, I've also got a very big interest in this. After university, after college, I uh, worked in food manufacturing. So I was on the commercial side. So I'm not an engineer or you know, anybody on the technical side, but I certainly uh, did operate within a, a winery, uh, wine business in uh, Latin America. And I ran a joint venture between a Latin American wine business and a, um, a Chilean wine business. And so I really got to see firsthand how uh, bottling works, how supply chain works, how we get goods across, uh, you know, different kinds of uh, bottling things and sending them to France, sending them to Latin America, to the States. So um, that was a long time ago. And I've always had an interest in the way that these things move and how the nature of geopolitical forces, consumer driven economies, all these things have an impact on manufacturing and supply chain. And th the other thing is that we're living in a very exciting time. Things are changing, business models are changing, consumer behavior is changing. Uh, so if you are an executive, a leader in this industry, uh, it's very difficult to do your job because uh, it's not the same as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know? Uh, so I like the fast paced nature of it. Yeah, well, and that's probably a good segue into the sort of core topic of a digital transformation. So based on all the many, many people you talk to in the supply chain and manufacturing space that are undergoing various stages of their own transformation, where, where do you think those, where do you think the market is at generally? What is it, what level of maturity is it at? And what are the key struggles that it's facing? I think, um, it's at a very exciting time. There are a lot of people that, if you rewind maybe about five years ago, uh, people were just beginning to start talking about digital transformation, start making plans for it. I think we're at the point where people are really implementing it, really grips with the best way forward for their businesses. Uh, we haven't reached, I don't think, you know, in my humble opinion, the, the peak of it, although uh, I think there's probably a little bit of a, uh, a maturity curve happening with some of the high level technologies, whether it's conversations around blockchain or, uh, you know, whatever it, it still is, there's still a very big interest in that. The struggles, I think, is, are mostly around the hype, uh, mostly around where do you look. Uh, you get organizations that are trying things, they're failing it, probably because they're doing it in very large moonshot type of, and you and I have talked about this before, very large projects when really the best approach is to look at smart, smarter, smaller things to do. So there are a number of things that, uh, that are fail number of failures they have. But I think that if these companies don't implement some form of digital transformation, they will not be around uh, in 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. 
Well, at your last supply chain event, we heard some incredible case studies and examples of companies that are really doing some incredible, some, I use the word incredible twice, but some, some amazing uh, projects and really at what I would call the leading edge of digital transformation. But then I, I agree with you when I, when I spoke to, you know, the general, uh, the general group, most companies were far behind that and were, were still at the very basic levels. Do you think this talk about digital transformation uh, scares, you know, people in the, in the space or are they excited about where it could go for them? I think it's a little bit of both. I think people are um, very excited about the possibilities, you know, of, of getting mm. real-time information, making better decisions, uh, getting more visibility, uh, getting their goods to market far quicker, responding to consumer demand. All of those things are really exciting things right now for the industry, but it's also a daunting prospect. You know, people have uh, very, very short memories about implementation of large ERP programs that failed dramatically. Uh, you know, a lot of money that has been spent on things that have failed. There's a lot at stake. It's very difficult for someone who's a leader in supply chain or manufacturing or digital transformation to stick their head above a parapet and say, okay, you know what, I'll take this project on uh, and I will uh, run with this unknown to some degree. So it's exciting and daunting at the same time. And more importantly, to try to do that whilst at the same time running the day-to-day -day operation of your business. You know, I've used this analogy yeah. before, but it is like driving a bus down the highway and trying to change the tires while it's still moving. You know, it's, it's, it's a near impossible task, but it, it falls upon these leaders today to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, because you run events both in the US and in Europe, are you seeing or sensing any significant differences between how European companies and US companies are thinking about their digital transformation journey? That's a, that's a really interesting question. Obviously, by my accent, you can tell that I'm American, although I've, I've lived here in London for 18 years now. Okay, um, that makes you an honorary UK yeah, person. An honorary, an honorary Brit, yeah. sure. At least yeah. you know, until Brexit happens, you know. <laughs> but uh, don't get me started on that one. But um, I think in general, both sides of the pond are very excited about what digital transformation offers. I think when I speak with my American colleagues, uh, they're probably a little bit further down the line you know, in their journeys, probably because of the proximity to Silicon Valley, to uh, the number of types of uh, companies that are there to help. But at the same time, I think that the European colleagues really get the processes part of the business, you know, the fact that they really have to prepare themselves very well uh, and start thinking about this in a very serious way. So it's a bit of both. Yeah. And sometimes you don't always uh, necessarily want to be on the leading edge because you can take some arrows, right? No, absolutely. That's my point. You're sticking your head above the parapet. Yeah. If you don't want to yeah. be the one that, that does that, you, you get your head shot off. Yeah. Well, and you know, many of the companies say at your last event were multinational companies. They might have been based in Europe, but they're, you know, I, I would say I, I agree with you in general that perhaps uh, Europe is, is lagging a, a little bit to the US, although that might be changing. But, uh, but absolutely, there were some case studies and some examples I heard where that were truly on the, on the leading edge. You know, it's amazing, amazing stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't, you yeah. can't uh, really dismiss the level of technological advancement that's taking place here in Europe as well. Totally. Uh, from a perception perspective, obviously, everybody looks at the U.S. and looks at Silicon Valley and looks at the technology happening there. But there are a lot of really great innovations that are happening here in Europe, too. 
Yeah. Now you had a really interesting panel on diversity in, you know, supply chain uh, operations. And, and actually I missed the panel, but I know it was really interesting because everybody was talking about it afterward. It was, uh, it was quite amazing. Tell us a little bit more about why that was so interesting and sort of what, what the theme of that, uh, what the discussion of that panel was about. Well, with, without, with, without necessarily trying to age myself too much, but probably my first, my first events in supply chain uh, were almost about 16, 17 years ago. And I was probably the only woman at these events, uh, maybe one other person. Now we're seeing way more women in uh, leadership positions in supply chain and manufacturing roles, which are traditionally seen as male dominated uh, roles. You're seeing more diversity, different genders, different uh, denominations. Uh, diff different backgrounds of people. Um, I believe that supply chain and manufacturing has a bit of an image issue in terms of how you actually overcome the fact that they're normally seen as warehousey type, lifting type, you know, jobs as opposed to what they really are, which is jobs that require a great deal of uh, mental agility, uh, a great deal of juggling, a great deal of multitasking, and therefore very well suited to women and very well suited to millennials as well that are coming into this marketplace. Uh, insofar as the image goes, how do you get millennials to join uh, a, a, manu a traditional manufacturing job or supply chain job over uh, joining Google or joining a, a really sexy business in, in Silicon Valley? Um, when you realize that there's so many advancements happening in supply chain and manufacturing today it really, I, I think that we in this industry don't do a lot to or enough to promote the, uh, the real exciting elements of the industry. The fact that there's so much innovation taking place with machine learning, with AI, the possibilities of influencing the economy, uh, it, it just is phenomenal. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I came away from this, from actually the, the two events I was with you at the manufacturing event and the supply chain event, event, both absolutely energized with the amazing initiatives and, and the cool technologies they're bringing in. These folks are trying to be on, on really the leading edge of transforming the operations of their business, right? But I want to get back to the diversity because you said yeah. something interesting there about millennials. Now, it never occurred to me that bringing millennials into a business was part of a diversity initiative, but that's, that's interesting you brought that up. Well, you know, again, going back to what I see, uh, and when I look around a lot of these supply chain manufacturing events, most people kind of all look alike, you know, and there's, we all make jokes at it. And, and, and even the guys make jokes. We all, yeah. all mostly 45, men. 55 yeah. year olds. <laughs> exactly. And so how do we change that? And first of all, why do you change it? And I think we can all agree that diverse teams are positive. Uh, diversity leads to different thinking, leads to great new ideas. Some of the greatest ideas have come out of teams that have different opinions. And I think that with the millennial side of things, uh, it isn't just attracting millennials to, you know, really exciting jobs in coding or in startups. Uh, you know, it, and it's also not just about having cool bean bags and, uh, you know, a, a funky coffee bar. In, you know, it's about creating the right environment that will A, attract uh, millennials with their different ideas and B, keep millennials engaged uh, and then you will find that they will contribute significantly. They are ultimately, maybe they don't have the same buying power that Gen Xers have or baby boomers have today, but they are the buying power of the future. They are definitely the decision makers of the future and they are the ones that are driving that kind of consumerism 
that's leading traditional manufacturers to think about their own processes, to think about customization, to think about uh, fast, faster delivery times. So I think the millennial voice is a very important voice in this industry and it needs to be considered very carefully and not, you know, and included in the conversation on diversity. Yeah, really, really interesting. I think that's that's a bit of a, a mind expander for me because I hadn't thought of diversity in, from that perspective before, but you're absolutely right. You know, millennials uh, will, and, and the younger generations will bring a, a very interesting perspective on technology, on process, on what's possible. And uh, that, that, you know, and not to say that the people we've been speaking to already are not trying to be on the, on the leading edge. Absolutely, right? Listen, we all have a place and, and, and we have a great contribution to make whatever generation that we come from. It's not about shutting out one generation or one type of group over another. It's just about getting another voice to the table that can contribute to that. I, I ran an event where I had uh, traditional manufacturers, again, the usual crowd, uh, these were manufacturers across uh, multiple vertical sectors, very high-end, Fortune 500 companies. And the star of the show really was a millennial startup company that had sold their business to a large manufacturer. Uh, and her background was in setting up startup teams. And she, was, she couldn't be left alone at the, at the event because people just wanted to have a chat with her about not just about uh, her opinion on things, but how do you run teams? How do you, what is your thinking behind supply chain? Uh, because it normally transcends the thinking that we have. We're, we're more, um, you know, and I, again, I hate to, to, to peg myself into one generation, one thinking this is generalizing, of course, but, you know, I'll give my example. Sometimes I think, hmm, how would I solve this problem? I know I'll spend a little bit more money and I'll do this this way. I'll hire a team or I'll hire that and I'll sort it out that way. That's what we were taught. That's what I was taught in business school. I'll do a cost benefit analysis. I'll do... Uh, you know, the ROI analysis. And then here comes a millennial and says, no, 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 what you've got to do is just, you don't need to do this. You can outsource this. You can outsource that. Check out this website. And before you know it, the problem is solved without spending much more money. So that kind of thinking should be welcome at the table. Hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Great, great thought process. Well, this is one of my favorite parts of uh, the conversations on Vantic TV where I ask the guests if there's uh, an area where they'd like to call BS on some aspect of conventional wisdom. Is there some area where, you know, most of the market is thinking X and you actually think Y? Well, I feel very strongly about the following. I hear tons and tons of conversations around digital transformation, digitization, digitalization. I mean, I, you know, it's mm. pronounced different ways. There's so many different right. things. It's all digital, digital, tech, 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 and that's great. It's really exciting. I mean, I'm really excited about blockchain and about excited about uh, AI, machine learning, robotics, really exciting stuff. But my, where I call BS is I think that none of that will fix any of the problems that companies have if they are not layered on top of the right processes and the right people. And I think that companies need to perhaps speak a little bit more about uh, the kind of processes they have to it's like building a house on, on rotten foundation. You know, if you build a really amazing house with a fantastic, you know, fantastic uh, design, but yet it's on a, you know, sloppy ground, it's not gonna work. So that's where I call BS. I think it's about processes and people and then tech. Yeah, and it sounds like when you say processes and people, you're also talking about culture. 100%. Is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's about, uh, Digitization is also a mindset thing. Uh, it's also seeing the opportunities across uh, every business process. What can be improved here? 
uh, and how can you work collaboratively? You said this before, how can you work collaboratively with technology? Otherwise you don't get adoption. If you get someone that brings in technology and says, we're going to replace the workforce, no one's going to adopt it. But if you bring in technology to help enhance the workforce uh, and work collaboratively with people, then you're going to get a recipe for success. Yep. Right on. Could, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. So any final tips or takeaways for a supply chain or manufacturing operations leader that is trying to figure out how to drive their digital transformation? Uh, you know what? I, I, I get this a lot. There, it's very difficult. It's a very lonely position to be in because mm. they are under severe pressure from their board of directors. I'm sorry, it's typical ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> London. We love London. So I think they're under severe pressure from their board of directors to modernize, to increase their, uh, you know, increase production and optimize everything whilst maintaining low costs. So it's a really tough job and, and a lonely job at that. So how do you validate your ideas? Uh, and I think that the best way to do that, I mean, I do have a vested interest in saying this, is connecting with people, talking to people, really understanding ways that, you know, who else is doing this successfully? Who's made mistakes? Where can I learn from that? Uh, not necessarily buying into the hype, but really researching, uh, validating your ideas with other people. Yeah. Well, vested interest or not, you're absolutely correct. Connecting with other practitioners and other people in the community and vendors and, and partners, yeah. uh, you know, that's the way you learn. That's the way you figure out what other people have done that's successful and maybe not successful. And I think that's a key to successful digital, digital transformation. I totally get it, which is why I'm really so supportive and excited about what you've been doing with the Future Insights Network. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, Maria, I think that wraps it up. Thank you for joining us today for this uh, really great conversation. Thank you, Blaine. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. And those interested in learning more about the Future Insights Network and the markets they cover should check out futureinsights.org. And once there, you can also check out the Thin TV podcast and video channel, actually, which has a lot, some similarity to Vantic TV, but of course, very and focused on... And yes. a special guest that uh, was fantastic, yeah. That's right, that's right. And, but focused on supply chain and, and manufacturing as this conversation has been. And of course, you can reach out to me anytime at realtimeadvantic.com. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, search for The Real-Time Enterprise on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you are already listening to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, please leave a rating or comment and let us know how you are enjoying the show.